Well, good morning, Trinity. Uh, I preached at 9 o'clock, so you're going to get what's left. <laughs> just by way of a couple of uh, housekeeping things, again, my just tremendous appreciation to Pastor Ken. It's a huge responsibility to invite guests in because you don't want them to come in and move the furniture around and tear up stuff. So I assured him that uh, I would not do anything today that would preclude your presence next Sunday and allow him to continue as the senior pastor here. So there are some restrictions. Thank you to Bree for that wonderful uh, introduction. Uh, I'd heard so much about her and finally got an opportunity to meet her. She's everything that they said she was, and I just appreciate that. Amen. Amen. Uh, and then congratulations to you for becoming a local expression of the universal church. Amen. I understand you haven't been in existence that long. So give yourself a round of applause. It's exciting to see God's work continuing uh, as he plants new expressions of his church. And uh, I'm so appreciative of all the young people here. You have driven down the median age in this place and as a crusty, dusty personality myself. I appreciate that. Um, what else can I tell you? Uh, let me introduce myself. Uh, I'm here from the seminary, but I currently serve as a church consultant at Davis Memorial Church of God in Christ, um, and that is a decidedly Pentecostal atmosphere. So that's my long way of telling you that I am charismatic. I am excited about the word of God. I will become demonstrative. I'll probably jump up and down and uh, dance, not like David did. I'll keep my clothes on. And if you feel so inclined to join me in cutting a rug, then you do so. Um, I, I, I invite the participation. The other thing that you need to know about me is I'm a prophetic preacher. That means I don't apologize for the word of God. It is what it is, and it does what it's designed to do. And so I believe that the word of God is intimate. It's up close. It's personal. And so I, I love that lean in because certainly God will invade your space and bring you to the place that he would have you to be. Um, it has authority. The word of God gets in your business. And after my sermon today, you'll understand why that's so essential. Uh, unless it pushes us into those places and draws us into those, we just won't get there on our own. They're called fruits of the spirit for a reason. They're not fruits of our humanity by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, for those of you who were present at the 9 o'clock hour, you don't have to worry. I will keep your attention. Welcome to the remix. <laughs> I, I was kind of restricted by time earlier today to make room for all of you, but I'm going to stretch out now <laughs> and help myself. Amen? Amen. Uh, so um, 
Let's, let's pray. Father, right now, I ask that you would just give me total recall, that you would give me precision of thought uh, regarding the vastness of your theological concepts and that you put it in words that your people can understand so that they might rightly apply it to their lives, that they will go away from this place prepared to do the work that you have assigned their hands to do and that they would ever represent you as your servants. Uh, never promoting themselves, but you and your kingdom, which is already, but not yet. And Father, we also ask that you would uh, lead us to places of transformation and not just application, because we desire to be more than we are in you and as a result of you. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. If you would turn right now to Paul's letter to the church at Rome, uh, that is our foundational text today. I will be making references all throughout uh, the letter, but you don't have to worry about flipping there because I'm not going to stay there long enough for you to get there. I'm going to be constantly moving. My other ambitious endeavor is to preach the whole canon of scripture, all 66 books in 40 minutes or less. Amen. Uh, you need to know that I come from a call and response culture. So when I say amen, I'm pausing for you to agree with the word of God by saying amen yourself. I also want to make sure that we give honor and glory to the God we serve. So when I invite you to praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So let's try it. Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Praise oh, we're going to get along famously here today. So in Paul's letter to the church at Rome in the very first chapter, uh, I want to read into your hearing the 14th through the 17th verses. Amen. And that will form the basis for our argument. Uh, if you have questions, uh, be sure to bring those to Ken and Bree. I will not be sticking around. I'm just going to break up the fallow ground and they are the personalities that will work that out for you. So that's the way it works when you're a guest. You can take liberties, but you got to leave. Uh, Romans 1, beginning in the 14th verse. Paul speaking. I am obligated. I am compelled. This is required of me, both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Somebody say amen, amen. because God's word is true. Say praise the, Lord praise the Lord because he didn't have to share it with us. And for the sermon title today, um, I just want to put forth the notion living in appropriate tension. Just let that marinate for a second or two. Living in appropriate tension. We live in a world that's filled with tension. Don't you know? Haven't you noticed? Uh, there's tension on the news. 
Yes, there is every day. Tension in the government, tension in our neighborhoods, and sadly, sometimes there is tension even in our workplaces and our homes. Tension at a global level, tension at a local level, tension at a cosmic, supernatural level, and certainly tension in the physical and temporal realm, realm that we inhabit. And naively, sometimes we say how great it would be if we could just get rid of tension altogether. Have you ever asked yourself how much happier my life would be if I could just get rid of tension? But I think we say that naively because the proper response to the problematics of tension is not found in its absence. What? That's right. The opposite of tension is no tension. It is an appropriate tension. And so those things that lead to stress, headaches and strokes and heart attacks, those are negative aspects of tension. And I would submit this morning that that's a tension that is managed inappropriately. God's response to to inappropriate tension is learning how to mediate tension appropriately. At its core, tension is not a bad thing. It's a very necessary and very relevant context for everything that exists. So the fact that you don't go flying off into space is the result of a very positive tension called gravity and centrifugal force. Somebody say amen for gravity. <laughs> Somebody say amen for a centrifugal force. <laughs> but it's necessary, it's essential that, that without friction there would be no traction. Amen? amen? Amen. And so tension realistically is defined as a dynamic, a balance between and an interplay of personalities, tendencies, and elements. Nothing off, off base with the definition of tension. And so the problem must lie somewhere else. Uh, we, we need the tension of relationships. Anybody ever been in a relationship? It can get pretty tense and intense sometimes. Amen? Uh, this is a good place for me to acknowledge my wife of 30 years. Y'all say amen for Sister Evans. Because trust me, the Royce Evans that I am without Sister Evans is not a very nice person. Sister Evans in our relationship, the context of our marriage, keeps me sensitive to a lot of things that I ought to be doing, but probably am not. Uh, Sister Evans is what stands between me and homelessness and, and me and being broke. And uh, her money management skills keeps us from living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I thank God for the tension of my marriage mediated appropriately. Uh, some, some husband should have said amen right there. There were brownie points all in there. Uh, but, but, but we also need the tension of the biblical text to assist us in being reconciled to the will of God. 
uh, I, when I ask people why they don't read their Bible, uh, I get a variety of answers. But, but I'm of the opinion that most people don't read their Bible because they constantly bump into stuff that they ought not be doing. Somebody say amen right there. When, when, it's easy to love my friends, but the tension of the biblical text invites me to love my enemies. What? You couldn't really mean that, Lord. Yes, I do. Matter of fact, love those that spitefully use you. Wow. Very quickly, I'm thrown into a tension where it's beyond my human ability to do these things. And I realize very quickly that in order to get along in this world, I better have a relationship with something that is beyond this world. And that is the tension of the biblical text and the personality of the Godhead. There's a tension that exists in our various perspectives, our thoughts, our ideas, and our behaviors. Joining the community of faith is not a subscription to groupthink. It's, it's, it's very much the opposite. Jesus is a critical thinker. I, I know because I've read the text and, and he engages people in conversation and he usually says something like this. You have heard it said. But I say to you, and immediately there is a tension in the customs and in the ordinary practices of people where Jesus is suggesting that there's something different and something better. And it would do you well to critically think about some things. What, what a horrible place this world would be if we all thought the same thoughts, if we all had the same ideas, if we all did the same things. Let me elementarize this. I love that word. Uh, but, but, but imagine the world as God's coloring book. It would get boring pretty fast if he only used one crayon, that, that, that the grass is green and the sky is green. And very quickly, you lose interest in, 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 a, in a palette that's only populated with one color. The world would be a very boring place if we all looked alike, if we all thought alike, if we all felt alike. And I think it's a very deliberate intention on God's part to make sure that we have other to push against. Praise God that everybody in the world don't look like me. Praise God that everybody in the world don't sing like I sing. Uh, so, so Sometimes the Lord confines me to the sanctity of my shower so that I can cry out my praise to him without too much judgmental glances Praise God for other and mediating the tension of that. Uh, Hollywood knows the reality of tension. Tension sells tickets. Uh, I mentioned to the eight, nine o'clock crowd that, that there's a movie out right now, The Bird Box. Anybody heard of that? And, and, and the whole proposition is to just build tension against a menace and an enemy that you never see. And quickly I came to the theological conclusion that's my reality, that, that the kingdom of darkness is this entity that I don't see. Uh, the Bible tells me that I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness. And very quickly, I have to adjust myself to this new understanding of tension and my responsibility to mediate that appropriately. 
Now, this is not departing from the basic theological construct that we all understand. There is only one God. Amen. There is only one faith and one baptism. And God pulls this off very successfully within the Godhead. He is three distinct persons, but so perfect is his Iteration of otherness as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there is never ever inappropriateness in the tension of the Godhead. But outside of Godhead, the tension falls off very dramatically. Uh, we, we have allowed ourselves to take something very simple and complicated. We mess tension up. You don't have to say amen right there. I'll say amen for you. But in, in the face of diversity and this wonderful thing that God has done, we have made it so complex that we have confused ourselves on what handling tension looks like. And I'll say more about that later. But it's, it's important for us to embrace right out of the gate that tension is necessary. It's where God forms us and shapes us in the tension of our relationships and in the tension of our community. Praise God we don't all get along because some of us are just flat out wrong. And without the community to hold us accountable, that wrong would be amplified and magnified. Praise God, praise God somebody says, I don't think that's correct. And it begs a conversation. And hopefully at the worst, a conversation turns into a discussion. And God help us that we don't turn conversations into arguments or debates that fracture the community of unity that we're supposed to be. Paul writes to the church in Rome. And, and, and I love Paul's makeup because he's a unique apostle. He, he, he used to be a Pharisee, a, a member of the Sanhedrin, an expert in the law, but so caught up in the law that, that he minimizes grace. And, and very quickly, he, he rumbles and threats against the church, the very thing that Jesus has come to establish. And up until Acts chapter 9, he's just a flat-out fool when it comes to handling the things of God and the tension appropriately. I told you this was the remix. <laughs> whose who's pre-Christ ministry is in blatant contradiction and tension to the work that he has been called to do. He, he's a Hebrew by culture, but he's a Roman by his citizenship. He's got a tension. He, he wants, when he's called even in Acts chapter 9 to the assignment that he's been given, he wants to hang out around Jerusalem like the other 11 fellas. But he got to take his show on the road through three missionary journeys across cultures and across Asia Minor and outside of the Fertile Crescent. He, he's called to continuing and ongoing places of tension. And, and what does he get for his trouble? He gets beat down and left for dead. He gets whipped. And, 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 and this is not a dis job description that people are lining up around the block to get. 
But if I might share this with you this morning, that's your job description to seek out places of tension and bring resolution to that tension where, where, where it's being handled inappropriately and demonstrate for people how it is supposed to appropriately be handled. That's a tall order. And I'm so glad God saved me before he told me that's what he wanted me to do. I don't think I could have handled it. He just said, here's what I need you to do. Now get saved. I'd have been a mm-hmm, uh, maybe next week or uh, maybe not right now or maybe done a Moses on him. Like you got the wrong fella, God, but God don't make mistakes. And, and so I, I, I understand it as progressive revelation. God, tell me what I need to know for right now, that's tension enough. That's about all I can handle most days. So it's no mistake Paul's writing this letter. And the church that he's writing it to is in a state of flux. They, they, they're primarily Gentiles. Remember he says my, my obligation is to the Jew and the Gentile, to the Greek and the non-Greek. So predominantly they are Gentile conversation, but they got a pretty mouthy Hebrew constituency. And all of a sudden, the church in Rome is in, is in tension. And Paul writes in his apostolic authority like, yo, I just put that in. Don't look for that in the text. But, 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 but he, said, he said, yo, you guys are majoring in the minors. And you're missing the big picture that, that it is possible for you as a diverse people group to come together. And he has the example of his own life experience to draw from. And so he tells them to put aside their pettiness because pettiness only fosters inappropriate tension. Think about the next time that the next time you think you're right about something. And decide how dogmatic do you really want to be. If you're dogmatic to the place where you alienate the person you're trying to win, I would suggest that you're too dogmatic. I would suggest that if you've just got to be right all the time, you're introducing an artificial and very inappropriate tension. Sister Evans and I haven't been together 30 years because we get along all the time. I remember I got to ride home with you, sir. But, 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 but if I want to keep eating regular and living indoors and at my house, it behooves me. Here's just a shout out to young husbands. The first five years are training. Okay. Your, your wife wants a good husband. She, she's putting up with you in the meantime, and she's giving you adequate time to come around. So, Praise God for training. <laughs> She's married you on the faith of God that you will become somebody she can live with. <laughs> but isn't that Christ's example that he demonstrates his great love for us while we are yet sinners? That, that, that he rescues me before I even realize I need rescue? That he goes on the cross for me long before I know it's my debt that I owe? And he satisfies it so I can step into a place of appropriate tension. Hallelujah. And this is not confined to the New Testament. 
God's been at work on this before there ever was a was to work on. Oh, y'all got to think about that for a minute. That was pretty deep. Because <laughs> when I open my Bible, it says in the beginning. But, but you need to understand that God exists before the beginning. He, he's working on this stuff before he ever speaks the divine fiat of the creation mandate. Way before he says, let there be, he's already at work on managing tension and demonstrating for us that it can be handled appropriately. I, I love this line in, in Genesis 1, maybe about verse 26. He, he creates them male and female, not to argue with one another, not, not, to, not to throw them into adversarial role assignments, but to suggest that through two, they can become one. And if he can make two into one, he can take 22 and make one. It's all in how you handle the tension. Lord, Jesus, help me this morning. And, 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 and so, 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 so Paul reminds the church that, that, that they can't be bogged down in the pettiness of their ethnic differences and their culturally, uh, uh, their, their cultural disconnect, that they got to get over themselves to become something else. So that the kingdom of God can be manifest in their midst because Secular and heathen eyes are watching. And in case you didn't realize that the people outside this church are watching us. They're quick to put us on the news when we fall out with each other. Quick to scandalize us when they catch us in trans or were you, you were you sadiddy Christians? But you you some of you are in adulterous relationships. I'm not talking about anybody in this room, but I'm talking about the broader universal church, and, 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 and they're quick to point out where we fall down. And rather than us agree that, yeah, we're susceptible to sin just like anybody else, and, and we own it and, and try to get better at living our lives and stuff, we, 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 we put this pretend facade on like we always got it together. I told the 9 o'clock crowd this morning that I'm not a morning person. And apart from the working of the Holy Spirit in my life, every I love the evening and the nightlife molecule of my body was in direct rebellion with the fact that I needed to be here this morning at nine o'clock. <laughs> but, but, but we need to own that. That we're not everything that we're supposed to be yet. And so Paul reminds them that the stakes are way too high and too great to be bogged down in an activity, any activity that presents as inappropriate tension. And it makes it plain that to fixate on any other tension than the fundamental one, which is our unrighteousness as humanity in the face of the righteousness of Christ is an inappropriate tension. That when we identify those things that are against the teachings of God and the precepts of God and the will of God, we ought to submit humbly to his correction and transformation. When I say I have no sin, I call God a liar. 
And when I act like I always got it going on, I'm only fooling myself. But look at the creation narrative, all the different flowers, all the different animals. Uh, uh, th there's diversity everywhere. And, and somehow they all get along until Genesis chapter three. But think about it. Adam's minding his own business, naming the animals, and all of a sudden he falls into a deep sleep. And then here comes Eve when he wakes from his nap on the arm of God. That must have been a sight to see. He'd never seen a woman before. And I can imagine in his mind, he's like, hey. Now, that's all right. <laughs> oh, somebody know what I'm talking about, right? Don't, don't pretend like you don't know this. But, but she's different, yet like me, but not like me. Somebody should be saying, praise God for the difference. Right now, that's how you get children. It's in the difference. But then Satan comes. And, 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 and in the midst of God's reality, in the midst of God's intention, no tension, he introduces another tension, a, a very inappropriate tension. Attention that will drive a wedge between Adam and his wife. Attention that will drive a wedge between both of them and their creator. Attention that suggests that God is not good enough. Uh, 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 go your own way. Tension. Surely if you eat from the tree, you won't die and, and, and you'll be like God. And that's an out and out lie. And there's never that possibility. The best the text can do is describe that I shall be like him, but it never tells me that I'll be him. And don't we set about every day as though we're God in charge of our lives? God, deliver us from evil and from ourselves. You're not a shot caller in God's economy. And you need to learn to manage the tension appropriately. The kingdom of darkness suggests this xenophobic fear of other, this clannish, that, that we can only be together with people that look like us and talk like us and think like us. This, this separatist, divisive tension God never intended. God never intended for us to live homogenous. Now, homogenized work good for milk, but not for folk. Y'all ought to put that in your pocket somewhere. <laughs> but this is a tension that flies in the face of the welcoming tension of hospitality in the Old Testament. Embrace strangers. Uh, the, the Bible tells, tells me that when I do that, sometimes I entertain angels unaware. I hate to think how many angels I've offended simply because they can't come over my house because they're of a different political bent or they don't agree with my interpretation of the issues. So glad the seminary is a critical thinking environment that even though we disagree, we respect each other's right to disagree. It flies in the face of all the one another's of accountability and formation of the New Testament. It's kind of hard to pray for one another 
when there's not another. To build up another when there's not an other. To love one another, which says marks me as a disciple of Christ. I need other to carry out the mandates of those one another's. It's an appropriate tension. Kingdom of darkness would counter with, well, we would rather have chaos and disorder. We, we'd rather operate delusional with self-centeredness and uh, a me-oriented tension that actually gives birth to every iteration of the worst in humanity. I know this is grown folks preaching, but y'all look grown to me. And that this is in open defiance to the tension of a godly community that lives united and concerted, that means we're all on the same page, that we're going to do the will of Almighty God. That we exist in a tension of faith that serves as a pushback to the fallen and broken tension of this world. God help us as we exist in the presence and pressure of this tension, but we still can live appropriately amongst ourselves and for those outside of our immediate community. The Apostle Paul will later say that by one man sin entered into the world, that through this first and fallen, not flawed, yet failing Adam, who, who, who takes God's wonderful and most appropriate tension out of context and imposes a curse that all of us are born into and struggle the entirety of our lives to try to get out of. But I got some good news for you today that you don't have to struggle in your own strength. Somebody ought to say amen right there. That, that when I'm weak and on the verge of breaking down, God can build me up. That, that when I stand in the need of the necessary words to ask for forgiveness and grant forgiveness, God does not leave that to my flesh to carry that out. He, he, dwell, he, he pushes a Holy Spirit into me that empowers me to do the hard things of living in an appropriate tension. And Paul reminds this church of the awesomeness of that tension. He says, boy, y'all better get your stuff together. That, that you can't keep acting like you acting. You are the church. And, and, and it's different for you. That, that, that you can't live in a tension that, that it's a divine contradiction. A lesser tension. Attention that promotes difference as reason for degradation. Most of the time we just fall out because people look different. We don't even know them. But we dismiss them wholesale, whole cultures, whole races, and don't know anything about them. That's an artificial and inappropriate tension. It's that kind of tension that, that causes us to view uh, gender as sexism and misogyny. But praise God for his faithfulness in making his tension available. And yes, it is available. The record says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's good news for somebody. 
that, 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 that all that other stuff that, that's all jacked up and sideways, God's got a prescription to remedy my condition. Ooh, at my church, they be falling out, rolling in the aisles right now. <laughs> but that, that, that this is an invitation to partake of the righteousness of Christ. Wow. That excites me. That all the stuff I cannot do, not only has Jesus already demonstrated could be done, but he cries out from the cross and tells me it's finished. And everything that's necessary for me to pull it off, he's already done. And I'm not locked into the failure of the first Adam because God has called for a second Adam. A very different Adam who demonstrates it's possible to live life in appropriate tension. You got to see this, this God man, Jesus, all God and all humanity at the same time. And he pulls it off. Not like we try to do. Oh, yeah, we do it. Well, you got to do what I say do. Why? Why should I do that? It's, it's, it bears thinking about. Then once this is realized, once we believe he truly is the Lamb of God, slain to take away the tension of sin from father's, the Father's creation, God's tension is actualized, and the salvation recipient, recipients are now new creation. And we are the other that exists in this world. In direct tension, to the fallenness and brokenness. Living in a community where God's other is celebrated, encouraged, empowered, on prominent display as God has always intended. A place where races live together in harmony, not in discord, in unity, not in faction. The psalmist says, behold how pleasant it is when the people of God dwell together in unity. Sound like God been at work on this for a long time. A, a place where, where, where sisters are revered and honored, where their otherness is viewed as a, an essential for the oneness that we all are supposed to engage in, in marriage. It's the only way we end up in a revelation that says that in the throne room of God and in the new Jerusalem there's every tribe and every nation doesn't sound like the eschaton is a homogeneous environment sound like God's full diversity is on display let me conclude with this anecdote uh, sister Evans and I took my grandson to Chicago and, and one of the places of interest there was the Shedd's Aquarium. Anybody familiar with that? And, and, and they got all these smaller wings and little tanks where they separate the species so that you can focus on them. And, and, and that's all great. You know, I, I do want to see a catfish and a sturgeon up close and personal. You know, I, I do want to see that. But, 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 but right in the middle of the aquarium, they got this one big tank where they just mixed all these fish in. And so me being grandpa, 
I got this little hand with me and, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show him the, the wonder of God's creation. I'm, I'm waxing eloquent and philosophical and theological to this six year old. And, 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 and he's agreeing with me like, yeah, they're all different colors, Papa. And, and they're all different shapes and, and they all swim different. And some of them are chasing each other and some of them are swimming together in schools and some of them are fully engaged with others. And others are off in the corner and they want to be left alone and aloof and, and, and totally oblivious that there are even other fish in the tank. And I thought I was getting through to him. I'm like, yeah, this is why this is why your papa teaches at the seminary, because he's got all this credential. And, and, and then he just responds to me in all the innocence of a six year old's theology. And he comes to the conclusion as his fascination fades. It was great, Papa, that they're all different. But they're still all fish. Don't miss that. Because my Bible says that the only way I can get into the kingdom of God is that I come like a child, believing that Unity is possible. It's possible because God designed it that way. And that even when we think differently and we act differently and we come from different places, we can still come together as his people. No matter how you swimming, you're just a fish. And whether you want to be extroverted and hang out in the school or be introverted and have your quiet space, you're still just a fish. When we learn how to live in the tension that God has created and designed for us, that's the appropriate tension. We love sinners and hate the sin. Too many of us have gotten that backwards. And rather than winning souls, we're alienating them from the gospel, which Paul says he is not ashamed of because he recognizes that it is the power of God unto salvation. We're praying now. Father, give us feet that run to reconciliation. Give us hearts that are set on forgiving and asking forgiveness. Father, give us minds that are stayed on you. And thank you for co conviction. Thank you for correction. Thank you for not letting us be static in a world where we're supposed to be dynamic. And that dynamic is tension, and it is expressed in diversity. Bless your holy name. Amen.